Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. This podcast is made possible by our supporters over on Patreon. If you'd like to support the show and get your own RSS feed with ad-free shows and extra episodes every month, then head over to patreon.com slash nerdcaveretro. programs it is that time of year again it is still halloween horror month here at the nerd cave retro show my name is jason robbins and my name is Derek diamond and uh so how has your week been it's it's been pretty halloweeny around here yeah it, it, the halloween spirits around here in, in pensacola from what i've seen it, it what's cool is we're actually getting to to decorate like our office area as far as like whatever Halloween theme we want. So we're this week we're turning the entire first floor uh, into a Star Wars theme. Sweet. So uh, doing that tomorrow, uh, Tuesday, if you're watching this or listening to this live. Um, so that'll be fun. Um, other than that, I've, as you know, I finished the, or I should say my wife finished <laughs> the rough cut for uh, the feature because she actually wanted to edit the movie. That's so cool. Not not too long after we um, we wrapped filming, she's like, "Can you show me how to edit?" And I was like, "Sure." And then two days later, I get home from work and I'm like, "How's the editing for the movie coming along?" She said, "It's done." <laughs> like, what do you mean it's done? And sure enough, except for what we had left to film, she had everything put together. And uh, do I get to tell people that I saw the rough cut, or is that? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Go ahead. But uh, it's very good. It's shot very well. The only thing I would throw in personally is Star Wars wipes and transitions. But <laughs> <laughs> and take a cue from the the legend himself, Mister John Williams. Yes, I'm sure I, I wouldn't get in trouble for that. No, at not all. at if all. I, if I if I did that, no, they'd yeah, be okay with it. Uh, Disney but, and Lucasfilm—they're not litigious at all. No, 
no, not at all. But I'm glad you liked it, though. I, I've been sending it to to several people to kind of get some feedback on it, and it's it's all been overwhelmingly positive. And it's so cool. You're it's almost done. Like I'm I'm so jealous that you have a project that's about to come out. Like I miss that feeling. Yeah, it's it's not easy as as you oh, well know. know and and uh, i was wanting to do one more short before i wanted to tackle a feature mm. but i think i might do that next i mean i don't know why you don't you have the chops now you know what you're doing so and as you know i'm a pretty big fan of the murder mystery genre so mm. our our next project is going to be a murder mystery story and i i have and i'll say this on the record so you can come back and listen to this if you if i say otherwise i have a role in mind for you and i would love for you to be a part of it awesome i'm down there so it'll be there's going to be a lot of planning with that and it's not going to be filmed i'd say at the absolute earliest like this time next year but probably later than that that's so cool i I know uh, me and uh me and Wally, hold on, I'm trying to talk in the chat room. Uh, me and Wally are uh, talking. We've been I had a project for the past few years, and uh, we, I've been pitching it around to to some local television stations the, to do a horror host style television show that I developed a few years ago, and uh, haven't gotten any bites on it locally. So I said, you know what? We live in a world where you can do things yourself. I'm going to say screw it and do it myself, and I've been slowly uh, getting things together in the background to do a, uh, some. we're going to do some preliminary photo shoots with me and Wally, and we're going to set up a Kickstarter, hopefully for early next year. That way we can get it done and uh, hopefully have a horror host style show that we're going to do online, like either YouTube or Twitch or whatever. And uh, we're going to try to get it done by next October. That's fantastic. So we've been working on it for a while. And I've, I, you know, I've had the budget, everything ready to go. I've had the pitch ready to go. And I'm tired of sitting on it. So I'm like, you know what? Screw it. Just going to do it myself. So that's what we're going to do. Well, and that's what I did. I just got to the point that I was tired of sitting on you know, the, the movie that you saw, like I've been sitting on that script for over two years. Mm-hmm. I wrote the first draft before COVID. So it it's, you get to the point where you're just like, you know what? Like you said, if you want something done, you usually do have to do it yourself. Do so it yourself. <laughs> I, I, I think you're going the right route. So no, I'm, I'm excited to see what comes of it though. Yeah. Well, uh, hopefully it'll take off. Hopefully it'll, it'll re- meet its goal. Cause it's not going to take that much money to get it done. I mean, it's a horror host television show. <laughs> it's not that expensive. Most of the money is going to go into the set, the the design of the set and also, you know, uh the uh our director and editor and um stuff like that. So we got people we got to pay that are going to going to be in on it, but uh but it shouldn't be that expensive. So we'll work all that out and uh as soon as the Kickstarter's ready to go, hopefully everybody who loves us will contribute. And we can do a new horror horror host show on on the internet live every Friday or Saturday whenever we decide to do it. Hopefully so. That'd be great. So it'd be awesome. Um, I'm looking forward to it. But uh, anything else Halloween uh, adjacent that we should talk about before we go into the news? 
Uh, not that I can think of, no. Yeah, I'm trying to think. Did I watch anything scary this weekend? And I don't remember. No, I've just been so busy with, you know, helping Samantha get the edit done. Um, we started putting the trailer together. I'm looking up. I, I will say, um, for those who are local, we're probably going to be doing, um, long-time listeners will probably remember, I did like a little uh, small film festival here in town a few years ago. We're probably going to do another one. It'll be a little more scaled down than what the first one was. Maybe show like three or four short films of other people that were you know shot here locally. Yeah. And then we'll premiere the feature. Awesome. Uh, that last one that you did was really fun. And uh, if anybody is near the Pensacola area, and you, um, we'll let people know when it's going to happen. It's a very yeah. fun thing to attend. So if you're near anywhere near the Pensacola area... We'll let you guys know when it's going to happen. It's a really fun night out to go and watch some movies, some short films by some local filmmakers, and it's so fun. You'll have you'll have a good time, so we'll keep you updated on that. For sure. But uh, I think it's time to go into the news. What do you say? Let's do it. Some of today's stories were submitted to us by Armez Jackson, who is in the chat room right now. And if you have a story you'd like us to cover, send them to nerdcaveretro at gmail.com. And this first story comes from nintendoeverything.com Super Retro Platformer Collection Switch Physical Released Announced. That is hard to say. Hopeful <laughs> uh, today unveiled Super Retro Platformer Collection, a new Switch physical release featuring four different titles by German retro indie studio Diplodocus Games. It will release in 2023. The collection includes both 2D and 3D platformers, Commander Keen and Keen Dreams Definitive Edition, MacBat 64, Regina and Mac, and Tori 3D will be packed in. These titles were, uh, were made available on the eShop previously as digital downloads. Um, and I don't think they have a specific release date or pricing yet, but they will have that ready uh, in the near future. So this looks pretty cool. I'm I'm really interested in the Commander Keen games because I never got to play those back in the day. Yeah, I didn't either. I've never played any of these games, and I don't really know that much about them. But it is cool that they're getting a physical release. Like to yeah. me, that is a big deal. You know, we've talked. I feel like more frequently over the last few weeks about that need to still have the physical media. Mm-hmm. Like digital's great, but sometimes it can be finicky. We all like our our physical release. I think the box art looks really cool. I, it's got that kind of like it's almost like a hybrid of like the '80s and '90s kind of style. It looks really cool. Yeah, and and the Commander Keen games. I don't know if any if anybody's familiar with those, but those were the games that were made by the guys who went on to do Doom. And, and oh wow! And um, I never have played those, and I know they're an early uh, platformer on um, computer uh, PCs back in the day. So they, ne- I don't think they were ever available on any kind of console. Yeah, not to my knowledge. So that'll be fun to play those. I I really am interested. I, I hear a lot about those Commander Keen games, so I, I've been interested in those for a few years now. Yeah. Our next story comes to us from NintendoLife.com. Unreleased Mario Kart XXL tech demo for Game Boy Advance surfaces online. Nintendo preservation website Forest of Illusion has acquired the infamous Mario Kart XXL tech demo 
a pitch by Daenerys Entertainment Software for the Game Boy Advance dating back to April of 2004, which has now been made available to download. Uh, They originally showcased the game and its dynamic and adjustable perspective view engine featuring dual playfields to Nintendo of Europe. The demo is made up of a single track using Mario Kart assets and features background music uh, from a PlayStation racer called Morhoon Kart, which Daenerys also helped develop. So this is pretty cool. You know, I've said for a while that the Mario Kart, I believe it's Mario Kart Super Circuit yeah, for Game Boy Advance is actually quite underrated and one of the better Mario Kart games. And I, I hate that those portable titles don't get the credit that they deserve because they're not on the main console. Yeah. So the fact that the demo was released w- was pretty cool. And it, it's, you know, the, the graphics aren't that great, but it's it's a tech demo. Like, it serves yeah. its purpose. It's still cool to see i i just enjoy that all this stuff is still getting preserved we're still finding all this old stuff you know all the uh, all these old games that were never released these tech demos all this stuff needs to be preserved uh 100 i feel like at least once a month a story like this comes mm-hmm. out of an old demo or an old game that never saw the light of day is either getting released or getting preserved which is good yeah uh, this next story is from our favorite site, NintendoLife.com. Super Mario Brothers movie composer gives fans sneak peek at Mario's Suite Part 3. Uh, let's see. Uh, we saw the trailer. Uh, the movie's composer, Brian Tyler, recently shared a behind-the-scenes look at the musical side of the movie. This included a picture of him at work along with a look at the music sheet of a song called Mario's Suite Part 3. He has previously composed music for series like The Avengers, Iron Man, Fast and Furious, and Star Trek. And he says, An amazing day recording the Super Mario Brothers movie orchestra and choir. So excited for everyone to see this unbelievably uh, amazing. But it, uh, he didn't finish that sentence. <laughs> he, either that or that was, that's a typo. Um, but he put a picture up of the actual music. And I have not read music in like 25 years, so it's like reading Greek to me. Yeah, it's been a while for me since I was since I was in band. When I first read this, I was a little disappointed because I thought there was going to be a video mm-hmm. of maybe like a like a 10 second clip of part of the score. And I, when I saw the headline, I'm like, I'd yeah. love to hear it. But then it's 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 not bad that the picture was posted because it's at least something. I'm personally very excited to hear the score because Koji Kondo is actually helping develop mm-hmm. the score. People who don't know who that is, he's like Nintendo's go-to person when it comes to scoring. He's been doing it for many, many years. How long has Koji Kondo been? uh, Oh, wow. Since the Uh, NES days, huh? I'll look that up. Yeah, you look that up. But yeah, if I was disappointed too that there was no video because I really wanted to hear this. But I guess if you can read music, you can actually like sit down at the piano or, or whatever and play this out to see what it sounds like. How old do you think Koji Kondo is? God, he's got to be in his 60s, probably, or 70s. You were you got it right the first time. He is only 61 years old. Wow, that's it? I thought he would have been like 68 <laughs> or 70. I, that's what I thought. I thought he was at least late 60s. He was hired by Nintendo in 1984. Wow. So he's been there since <laughs> Nintendo has really been Nintendo. As uh, Nintendo as we know them. Yeah, so he's been there in t- two years. He'll be there 40 years. Mm-hmm. 
Yep, yeah. he wrote the uh, Mario Brothers Overworld theme, which is arguably the most iconic track in video game history. He has racked up quite a pension. But I, I think it's great that he's helping out and overseeing it. Like, it adds legitimacy. Yeah. Brian Tyler is a great composer anyway. I mean, you mentioned a few of the movies he's worked on. I think he's one of the better composers in Hollywood. Yeah. So I'm personally really excited to hear how they incorporate the classic themes and mm-hmm. everything. Like it's, it's going to be fun. Like uh, the Chris Pratt stuff aside, I'm really excited for this movie. I mean, they have so much good stuff going for this movie. They can't let them screw it up. Right. I mean, if, if I guarantee you, if he does all his voice stuff and it, they do like dailies or whatever, and they're they're gonna make him, and they they don't like it, or they think people aren't gonna like it. They are gonna make him go back in and redo all that stuff. Because Nintendo's not gonna let this be a failure. Mm-hmm. Not like the original Super Mario <laughs> Brothers movie. Exhibit Exhibit A, <laughs> the original Mario Brothers movie. Yeesh. We need this to do well, so we get mm-hmm. we get a Zelda movie. We oh. could get a Zelda series. We could get Star Fox. We could get F Zero. We could get Metroid. I want my Metroid series or movie. I don't care either one. I need it. Metroid live action movie in the style of Alien. Yes, it needs to be a horror it's, movie, sci fi oh, horror. One hundred percent. I and I think Zelda needs to be a series, either live mm. action or if it's animated, it should be anime. Yeah. Like I, Castlevania. Exactly. I was just about to say that. That's that. I think that would be the perfect way. I mean, live action would be okay, but I don't know. I, I would have apprehension about doing Zelda live action. My biggest concern is that it would be looked at as like a Lord of the Rings knockoff because we just had Rings mm-hmm. of Power. I would much rather have, like you said, either an anime style like Castlevania or a very, if it is CGI, like cartoon, like Pixar style. Uh, cartoon have it be very very stylized you know kind of like um i mean make it make you could just make it look like like um breath of the wild and i'd be happy yeah i was about to say make it like breath of the wild mm-hmm. i think it'll be okay yeah i'd watch it i mean i'm i'm gonna watch it regardless of what it is if yeah. it gets made so but I, i'm excited for the mario brothers movie though our last story comes to us from polygon.com Silent Hill is back, and so, dare we say it, is Konami. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. <laughs> wow, 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 wow. <laughs> Prior to yesterday's Silent Hill transmission showcase, it was widely accepted that Konami, as a video game publisher, had fallen from grace to a state of near-total irrelevance. It feels, it feels like we've been making jokes for years about the primacy of this one-time jukebox rental business's many sidelines, which include casino and health clubs. <laughs> Konami hasn't helped itself with seemingly desperate lunges at the latest tech trends such as uh, NFTs, NFTs. <laughs> and, and metaverse development. Its last major game launch, 2021's eFootball, uh, was an unmitigated disaster. Hmm. Uh, let's see, this is kind of a long article. Yeah. Uh, I just, I just to, wanted to point out that I put this in here because they did drop a Silent Hill. I mean, that that kind of... What did they call it? The... Silent Hill Transmission Showcase. It was rather boring until they showed the Silent Hill 2 remake trailer. And yeah. I don't know if you ever played the Silent Hill games. I love the movie, Silent Hill, the first one. I think it's great. Um, I like 
I like Silent Hill 2, the game, but I played it on, I think, my, my roommate's PlayStation 2 back when it was, was new, and I couldn't even finish it as it started giving me nightmares, and I had to stop playing it. Oh, wow. So I don't know if I'm going to be able to play a remake of Silent Hill 2, but I do think it's cool that if, and I really do, like, yeah, I'm, we've made fun of Konami many times on this this show, but I really do hope that this is a hit because I want Konami to come back. I want them to make games again. And that's a great point because if people want Konami to be relevant again, you got to buy their stuff. You got to yeah. support them monetarily because if it sells well, then they'll make more. Yeah, and and it's a smart move too to me because I mean if Konami came out of the woodwork and said, "Hey, we have a brand new property of a game for you to play." I, I don't think people would be as excited. They'd be like, "Yeah, you've been making Plinko machines for the last 20 years. What are you doing, Konami?" I think they come back with a, a really good remake of Silent Hill 2 is a great move. And I hope it does well. I because it's one of those things that I feel like the video game industry is better off if a company like Konami with all of its years of prestige is relevant and successful. Yeah, cuz I want them to come back with a new Castlevania game. I want them to to go back and and remaster some old Castlevania games. Like give me Symphony of the Night but, you know, like modernized. I would play the oh, that'd hell be out of that. You I know, would too. Even a whole entire remake of the very first game. Give me uh, a third person behind the shoulder remake of the very first Castlevania game. That would be a lot of I fun. I would play actually. it. <laughs> I would play oh, that I would right too. now. I would too. And and I mean, just Metal Gear Solid. They haven't put out a Metal. I don't even know if they even work with. Um, is it Kojima that does? Yeah, yeah Hideo Kojima. That does Metal Gear, the Metal Gear games. I don't even know if they have a working relationship anymore, but, I mean, come back and do some Metal Gear games. And Konami's got really good properties that they're just sitting on and doing nothing with. I mean, come back with shooters. You know, they've got all the Gradius stuff, all that. That's all Konami. I mean, the possibilities are endless, but this game needs to do well in order for that to even remotely have a chance of happening, yeah. I think. And why do we not have a modern Contra in the style? Like, I mean, it's basically Doom, <laughs> a 2D Doom. Yeah. I mean, why do we not have that now? I mean, Contra could still be a viable uh, IP for Konami. You think a lot of those franchises from back in the day that never, like, never transitioned to the next generation, mm -hmm. like a Contra... You know, you've mentioned Star Tropics in the past, like notable NES games that just never took off. Yeah, or just that. never went past the the N sixty four. You know, like yeah, some of those. I don't know. Konami just has a, a back. They have as much good stuff as Nintendo does. Their IPs that they could come out with and just blow us all away. So I really do hope. Silent Hill 2 does well. I don't know if I'm going to play it, because I don't know if I can handle it, but we'll see. If you can't, then I definitely can't. <laughs> I mean, I'm serious. Like, that game on PlayStation 2, it disturbed me. Like, to the point I couldn't sleep at night. Like, it, I was having nightmares because of that game. Okay, now you have me curious. 
I'm going to have to look up some gameplay. <laughs> Definitely. I mean, just watching gameplay is one thing, but playing it is a whole different animal. Yeah. But uh, next up, we are going to do some video game history. In October of 1982, Namco releases Super Pac-Man, the third title in the Pac-Man series in North America. And I I always thought uh, Super Pac-Man looked cool when I went into the arcade, but I don't think it plays very well. I have never played Super Pac-Man before. I know of it. Um, I remember uh, Super Pac-Man being like a... I don't want to say an extra character, but you could turn into Super Pac-Man mm-hmm. in Pac-Man 2 if you ate a power pellet because he'd have the cape and the mask and everything. Mm-hmm. So I, I've known of the Super Pac-Man game, but never played it. Yeah, I remember seeing it in the arcade all the time when I was a kid. And it sounded cool and looked cool, but I don't think it holds up all that well. I may have to go back and give it a, a, a whirl here soon. I like the flyer though, with Pac-Man wearing the cape, and you've yeah. got two of the ghosts. Like it, it looks very early '80s ish. Oh yeah, this was Pac-Man fever, baby, <laughs> driving me crazy. <laughs> uh, believe it or not, I do know that song. Uh, let's see, October third of nineteen eighty-nine, Broaderbund releases Prince of Persia for the declining Apple II, having been in development since nineteen eighty-five. Ports to other systems turn the game into a hit. I've never played a Prince of Persia game personally. It still surprises me that this franchise is that old. I remember playing this on uh, on the the computer at school when I was a kid, a teenager in high school. I remember not liking it very much, but I didn't like the way the game played, like the actual... Uh, mechanics of the game, the jumping and the climbing and all that stuff. I found it kind of clunky. Um, but I don't know. I, I'd have to go back. It's been so long since I've played Prince of Persia. I, I just I just remember thinking at the time that it wasn't really my thing. So there's a video of the gameplay from the original version on, on the page we're looking at. Mm-hmm. It, I can't remember the name of the game that it reminds me of, but it there's a, a collection of games. It's almost like the Jackbox games that yeah. I've played for the PS4. There's a game like this with the same animation style where you have to fight you know, your opponent and then get to the finish line. Hmm. So that, that makes me think of this. I'm going to have to look up what game that is, but I used to play it like nonstop yeah. several years ago. It plays a lot like Flashback, but I tend to find Flashback better. <laughs> at, right at that time, I still like playing Flashback. I have it on the uh, the Switch. I still play it. I need to review it, but I still play it to this day. No, you should. Uh, October thirty first of nineteen ninety five, Cyber Dreams releases. I have no mouth and I must scream for DOS and Mac. It's an adaptation of writer Harlan Ellison's short story and won Computer Gaming World's Award for Best Graphic Adventure Game of the Year. Uh, is this the story? that um, he ended up suing um, James Cameron over for Terminator. I was wondering about that myself because honestly, I threw this in there just because I love the name, Mm -hmm. but I think you might be right. I think it um, might be. um, Let me look that up. 
I don't curious. think it is because I'm looking at the plot of it and it doesn't sound right. But I do know that Harlan Ellison um, is the the author who wrote a lot of episodes. He was a science fiction writer and he wrote a lot of episodes for the Twilight Zone. And there was a one episode he wrote, and I could have swore it was "I Have No Mouth and I Must Scream," where it, he was a, a soldier from the future that went back in time to uh, because of uh, time traveling robots or something like that. It's, I haven't, I don't remember the episode, but he ended up suing James Cameron over the Terminator story. So, and then James Cameron, who says he didn't. Uh, plagiarize it still ended up having to pay uh, and and Harlan I think Harlan Ellison gets a writing credit on the Terminator movies because of that yeah it says here uh, unfortunately for James Cameron Ellison despite his enjoyment of the film also readily noticed its similarities to the plot of his 1964 Outer Limits episode Soldier which Ellison had based on his own short story named Soldier, oh, which yeah. saw two opposing soldiers sent backwards in time, one good, one evil. That's it, yeah. I remember it had something to do with soldiers through time or something like that. And uh, Armez Jackson in the in the chat room said, are you referring to Karatika, the game that reminds... He said it reminds him of the Prince of, Prince of Persia-style graphics. That might be it, because that sounds very familiar. That's like the third time this week I've heard Karatika or Karatika, however you pronounce it, uh, mentioned in the last week. So I think something's pulling me to play that game. He also had a good idea for a top five list, a top five one-and-done list. Oh, I like it. That's a good list, man. Yeah, that's a very good list. We might do that next month. Yeah, I'm I'm down for that. (laughs) Speaking of lists, uh, get your list to us. uh, We're doing top five horror games next week. Actually, uh, we're recording next Sunday, the 30th, uh, for our Halloween episode. We're doing top five uh, horror games, so you can either tweet at us, uh, at NerdCaveRetro, NerdCaveRetro at gmail.com, and also we have a brand new, uh, in our uh, Discord, we have a brand new, um, what is it, thread in there, or, or whatever. It's, it's uh, like a sub-chat. Yeah, sub-chat for uh, the top five list every single month, so if you want to go do that, you can submit them there as well. Yes. And finally, for this month in video game history, October 19th of 1999, Pokemon Yellow Special Pikachu Edition is released in North America for the Game Boy. Still my all-time favorite Pokemon game because it's it's very similar to the original incarnation, but incorporated elements of the cartoon. Uh, the graphics look a little better as far as how the actual Pokemon look. They look like they do in the cartoon which I like better. And a lot of people still say that this is their favorite Pokemon game. Just to show you how childish my brain is when you said Pokemon Yellow Special Pikachu, I thought you were about to say Pokemon Yellow Special PP Edition. (laughs) Special PP Edition. (laughs) Uh, I'm Uh, a child. I can't help it. If we ever do a Nerd Cave Retro After Dark, that'll be the game I review. Fantastic. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Before we go into the review tonight, Derek has shout-outs. As always, we'd like to shout-out our awesome patrons over at patreon.com slash nerdcaveretro. We want to shout-out Daniel Salmon, Tyler Watson, Axeblade07, Armez Jackson, Carlos Longoria, 
better known as Rampage. Staff Sergeant Sketch, Gus and Penny, Matthew Salmon, Mike Eveland, Jack Eveland, Joey Image, and Donna Diamond. Thank you all so much for your continued contributions and keeping the lights on for us here at the show. And if you want, uh, if you want to be a part of our awesome Patreon community, you get early access to our monthly bonus episodes. Usually, we do a commentary track for an animated show, live action show. We've also done full length movies. We've also done some spoiler filled reviews, like for this month. You, Wally, and Joey Image reviewed Halloween Ends, which is very spoiler-filled, so chances are you've probably seen the movie by now, so definitely go check that out. We've also reviewed Clerks 3. This month, we had the way the, the that it fell, we actually had two reviews land this month within days of each other for the regular feed. You're uh, right. The, uh, the Clerks 3 review and the Halloween Ends review, but if you're a patron, guess what? You get those early. And you get access to the Nerd Cave Retro News Dump show that you and uh, Wally host whenever some big gaming news comes out. <laughs> Hasn't been a whole lot of news lately, but <laughs> we'll get back to it as soon as something big happens. I always feel like this is a slow time of year for news it when it comes to gaming. Like it's ever since we've been doing the show, I feel like you know October, November are always slow. Yeah, they always uh, start. They've already announced everything that's going to be happening for the rest of this year. And then all the games are going to start dropping right now for Christmas. So we're not really going to get anything too big over the next couple of months. But whenever we do get some news, we'll we'll do another news dump. And whenever we get news, we'll do one. For sure. If you want early access to those and to just be a part of our fun community, just head over to patreon.com slash nerdcaveretro for as little as a dollar a month. And for new patrons, be sure to send us your social media info, whether it's Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook, so we can give you a proper shout-out. And also, before we go into the review tonight, I did want to remind everybody, we're going to be giving away this VHS copy of Street Fighter on VHS that I have in my hand. And I think what we want to do is have you guys send us voicemails, either through anchor.fm or just send it to us as an MP3 to our Gmail and give us your best impression of whoever you want to do an impression of in the movie. And we'll play it on the show, and we will pick a winner. So we'll give you, we'll give you a good two weeks on that to get us, get us those. And uh, it's just something fun to do. And, uh, yeah, you could win this beautiful copy of Street Fighter on VHS. So are you a coffee lover? Do you sometimes need that little extra boost for some all-night gaming sessions? Well, you should head over to BeResCoffeeCo.com. They have so many different flavors of coffee. doesn't matter what type of coffee you like. They got you covered. Try the Good for Gaming Roast or the Two Hardies One Ship, which is a rum and dark chocolate flavored roast. Not to mention, they keep their seasonal flavors all year long, like the Fall Spice or the Sweet Tooth. They can even add flavors to your coffee. So whatever you need, head over to BeResCoffeeCo.com and use the code NCR for 10% off of your order. With that being said, let me hit this and we'll go into the review. And tonight, Derek is talking about...
See, that's the thing with Resident Evil. It's mostly just ambient sounds and not music, but that's cool. I like it. Well, don't you mean Resident Evil? <laughs> Resident Evil. Uh, the first time I heard that, I'm like, okay, let's let's go. Like, it, it actually got me pumped to play the game, mm-hmm. and I, I found myself kind of getting lost in that that ambient noise because, as you mentioned, there's not really a soundtrack to the yeah. game. Like, there there is, but there's not. When I think of this game, I think of like what you just played with that just kind of low ambient noise that's just loud enough for you to notice. That's one of the cool things about the game is the soundscape of it because you you get stuff like that, just like just kind of one note ambient noises. And then there's a lot of times in the game where you're just walking through hallways and stuff and there's, there's no music. All you hear is just your footsteps. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is plush care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. I always get scared when that happens yeah. because I know that something's about to jump out. And something's coming through the window. At yeah, you. like oh, here's <laughs> silence. I'm either gonna just turn this corner and get jumped, or something's just gonna yep. go right through the window. But yeah, that and I think that really makes this game stand out in a way because when you think of video games, we talk about the soundtracks a lot. With having kind of like an iconic theme or certain level music. It wouldn't have worked if they had done like a traditional score, I think, with this game. Like yeah. the, the ambience makes it different. I think it would have worked against it if it would have actually had music. Agreed. So <clears throat> Resident Evil, which is known as uh, in Japan as Biohazard, is a Japanese horror game series and media franchise created by Capcom, which there's been numerous games uh which are still being made today um there's actually a resident evil 4 remake coming out next year uh there's been let's see three there's been i'm not going to go through and count all these but if not 20 close to 20 installments including the remakes which is incredible Mm -hmm. considering this series started in in 96 so it's been it's had some staying power and, you know, I'm, I'm sure we'll get into Resident Evil transferring beyond video games with the, the series, the movies, all that stuff. So Resident Evil has really had some staying power. Well, it actually did... got its start as a game called Sweet Home, which was for the Famicom, and it never got an, an American port of it for the Nintendo um, and I actually got a ROM of the Famicom uh, game, Sweet Home. I tried to play it, but it's really hard to play because I don't speak Japanese and I uh, can't read kanji. So it's it's a very difficult game to play if you can't speak or read Japanese. 
that's still kind of cool though i mean it would be if there was a series that i was a huge fan of and there was a a rom like that i would still play it you know and just kind of do the best i can Mm -hmm. so i knew of resident evil when the first game came out obviously as i mentioned i did not grow up watching horror movies i was not a horror fan so i'm like obviously i'm not gonna play this game then what really caught my attention was when this game was remade for the GameCube mm-hmm. back in 2002, which was kind of crazy if you really think about it, because Nintendo was really getting to be known as that family-friendly company. Mm-hmm. So to put Resident Evil on the GameCube, like that grabbed my attention, like, well, maybe I should, should check it out. So I, I had a friend who had the game, so I asked if I could borrow it. I'm sure you remember this too. It, the game was two discs long mm-hmm. because of how big it was. Yeah. So I made it not very far before my anxiety kind of caught up to me. <laughs> and I'm like, you know what? I tried it. I'm good. So I returned the game and didn't touch it until a couple of weeks ago when I started playing it. Mm-hmm. Because now I'm... I can watch a horror movie and not get anxiety over it. That still happened a little bit during the game, which I will get into because there were some pretty funny moments that happened. But um, yeah, so in this game, you uh, play as a member of a special law enforcement task force. You're trapped in a mansion with zombies and the goal is to survive. You can play as either... um, was it Chris or Jill? Yeah. Um, yeah. Is Jill Valentine, is it Chris Redfield? Yeah, Chris Redfield, okay. Jill Valentine, which yep. they are weaved all throughout the uh, the Resident Evil story until mm-hmm. now, even through Resident Evil 8. You know, the Chris Redfield and and all, like, and Jill, they're, they're still there. Like, you know, they're weaved in throughout the, the storylines the, the whole time. Which is really cool because uh, you could easily just have new characters for mm-hmm. each installment and almost make it like an anthology. So I, I played through as Jill because um, I've read that the characters' stories are a little different. Is, is that is that accurate? Yeah, um, and that's the way it was with the, the early Resident Evil games, 1 and 2. Um, there was always two different storylines that you could do. Like you play the game... Uh, you could start as either you know Chris or Jill, and in the second game it was Leon and um, and Claire. Uh, Claire is Chris's sister. You you play through one. There's there's two scenarios to the game. You play one storyline with one character, and then you finish that one, and then you go play the second character. And back then, not so much now with the remake. Uh, you know, especially with the Resident Evil 2 remake and the original, like Resident Evil 2, what you did in the first games affected the second game. Like, it's one of those games that it's it's a survival horror game, so your resources are very limited, especially mm-hmm. with the original. You know, it's what made these games so scary. There's more zombies than you have bullets, basically. So you have to conserve your bullets. You have to. Um, pick your targets. What are you going to take down? What what weapons you're going to use? You have inventory issues. You always have to store stuff into a locker. Come back for it later. What are you going to bring with you on this little you know little mission you're about to go on? And as you go through the game, if you pick up bullets, like say you're going through Resident Evil Two, 
as Leon and you're picking up all the bullets as you're going through the game, when you play as Claire, those bullets aren't going to be there. Like you have to share between the two storylines. Well, and that was something that I learned very quickly because I've never really played these type of survival horror games before. Mm -hmm. So I kind of had an idea that, you know, you would have to be really conservative with your ammo. What I wasn't expecting was, as you mentioned, you have a very limited amount of what you can have in your inventory. Mm -hmm. And you have to find a locker or some type of box where you store stuff in. And if you want it, you have to go back and get it. And that's the cool thing about the game. You know, I always my biggest pride. I was talking about Joe with our good friend Joey Image. Uh, you know, because we were talking about. I've been playing uh, Code Veronica for the Dreamcast over the last week, and my biggest problem with these early Resident Evil games is having to uh, use ink ribbons to save at yeah. the the typewriters, and you have to conserve your ink ribbons. And the typewriters are so few and far between that you can go long stretches of time without saving. And if you die, you go all the way back to your last save. So everything you just did, if it's 10 minutes or an hour, it's wiped out. So you have to be very careful about um, saving in this game. It was frustrating, but at the same time, it was such a new experience for me that it required me to think differently as a gamer because I'm mm-hmm. so used to playing like platformers and other types of games and not not survival where you have to really be smart with what you do. Yeah. Because as I learned in the beginning, you know, you walk through, you know, you go through like the dining room, you go out into a hallway, you round a corner. Uh, by the way, Something that creeped me out every time this happened, when you walk up to a door, how it cuts to the scene of yeah. you know, pushing in the door and it just goes, because mm-hmm. I'm just waiting for something to be on the other side and just grab me. Yep. So you walk around that corner and then the screen cuts to black and I'm mm-hmm. like, oh no. And you see that first shot of the zombie, you know, eating one of the other humans. Mm-hmm. So of course it comes after you and then the game kind of progresses from there. Um, yeah, and as a, as a new player to Resident Evil, you know, you can't go into the game like you go into your first, you know, the dining room and you've picked up one pack of of bullets. You've got 15 bullets on you. It takes like six or seven bullets to take down a zombie. So if you walk into the dining room and you kill all the zombies in there then you're out of ammo like you're you screwed until you find another you box of ammo cuz the next room you're going to go into is probably going to have a you know 15 freaking zombies in there I will say this though god bless the daggers yeah <laughs> because i would have died more than i did yeah had it not like the first time i picked one up and i you know it gives you the description of what you use it for. And I'm like, Oh, thank God. Cause I was just imagining this scenario where I was going to get jumped by a zombie and that was going to be it for me. So yeah. you just, it, it's a defensive, really a defensive only weapon where if you're kind of like, you've got a zombie in a headlock, you just take the knife and just stab it. Mm-hmm. And then you can, you can make your getaway. Yeah. But I, I enjoyed it once I got used to some of the aspects of the game, something that was the most jarring to me was when you're walking through the house, there are a lot of like quick cuts. Mm-hmm. Whenever you move to like a different section, it cuts to a completely different camera angle. It's almost like you're watching through a security camera. Exactly. 
And that really threw me off in the beginning, especially when you've got a zombie coming after you and you move three steps and you're like, cut, 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 cut. I'm just like, oh, God, like what's what's going to happen? But it, it definitely takes you, you get used getting to used to. But I think that's what made those games so special. Those weird camera angles and tank controls It's like you said, it's like you're watching a security camera or you're watching like it's like very cinematic, like the way the, the camera angles are. Plus, it's not like a a regular first person shooter, or even way the the you know the Resident Evil games went to from the tank controls to behind the shoulder third person with you know four through six, and then now with seven and eight, their complete first person view. I like the original um, tank controls with the different camera angles because you couldn't see around corners; you didn't know what was coming so the jumps it made the jump scares way more real those happened a few times yeah i'm I'm not gonna lie but it almost made it enjoyable though Mm -hmm. like i used to hate getting scared i still don't really (laughs) like it but it was something that i knew going into this game that it was gonna happen so it's one of those things you know in addition to the bullets and any weapons you pick up, if you get any herbs or anything that you can use to heal, Mm -hmm. if you find it, save it. Yes. Because especially when you get to the boss fights, which by the way, (laughs) that giant snake scared the crap out of me. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I was not, I'm like, here's a house full of zombies. And I'm like, yeah, here I am fighting this giant snake. Yep. That's chasing me all through the house. So uh, it was a cool fight though. Did you find um did you, you did you start combining your herbs and all that stuff mm-hmm. to, to yep. cure poisons and things like that? Yeah, um, I, I read that it was smart to do that. So. Yeah. That's uh that's how you conserve space a lot is to combine things. And how did you find the puzzles in the game? I felt the last playthrough I did, I think it was last year or year before for Halloween Horror Month, I did uh, the it was the GameCube remake, but they have it on the Switch now. Which is mm-hmm. crazy because that remake still holds up like really well. So if you've never played Resident Evil, just get it on the Switch. It's the it, it is the GameCube remaster, yeah. the 2002 remaster. It looks so good. It, it does, and I will say, if you get it, get it now because it's fifty percent off. Oh wow! Okay, yeah. I saw that on the eShop. Yeah, it's it's ten dollars right now, and it's a long game too. I mean, I, I say long. It takes. How long did it take you to do it? I think it took me like maybe 10, 11 hours to go through it again. Yeah, that sounds about right. But there's so much to do in the game. I mean, you have, there's a lot, the game is not huge. I mean, you're in, you know, this, this mansion, there's a lot, you know, you go down into the catacombs and things like that. It's not a huge game, there's, but there's a lot of backtracking and there's a lot of puzzle solving. Uh, and that's, I'm, I remember I just asked you that, like, what do you think of the puzzles? I felt like the puzzles really held up well. I think so. Like, I, I wasn't expecting those either for the most part. But, you know, with me growing up playing Zelda, like, that was almost mm-hmm. kind of second nature because that's how every Zelda dungeon is. You have to go through certain puzzles to advance. So mm-hmm. I thought it was actually a, a nice addition. And like you mentioned, the game is it's long because of the backtracking that you have to do. But I, I liked that it takes place in this mansion. It's very intimate and self-contained, 
but it does tell a big story because of just the sheer amount of stuff that you have to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it, like, like you said, there's there is a lot of backtracking, but it, it's not like it. You don't get sick of seeing the same spaces over and over again. It's like there's always mm-hmm. something new to see every time you go back to an area, or and it actually tends to make the game better because you start to remember where everything is and you don't have to keep constantly checking your map or whatever. Cause like once you start to remember, you know, all these, this little hallway leads here. Oh, this, this goes here. Once that stuff starts to click, it's like the game just feels better. You know, like the, the, the weird tank controls just don't bother you anymore. No. And they never really bothered me from the beginning. Mm-hmm. It was that I was expecting. So it, it's, it's just kind of whatever to me, but I did want to talk about the remaster because I think the look of it is incredible. You know, it just, it does such a good job of conveying this like old broken down mansion where you just can, you can see little details in every room you go in, whether it's, you know, books or broken shelves, uh, moss, you know, just the, the wear and tear you see all throughout the mansion, especially the lighting when you get down into the catacombs mm-hmm. of the mansion is really cool. And it, it it makes me want them to adapt this game <laughs> and do it right. Yeah, because it would be a and it wouldn't be that expensive to do. Yeah. And with the with the success of, of Resident Evil 2 remake and Resident Evil 3, like I, I just can't believe I don't know why they haven't gone back and did a Resident Evil 2 style remake of Resident Evil 1 because it's ripe for it. I mean, maybe eventually we will get that. I hope so. I mean, don't get me wrong. The, the, the GameCube remake holds up really well. It surprised me at how good that game looks and plays and the, the sound is so good and it. it just holds up like crazy and i just wish that i could play it again in a in a a third person view like the resident evil like the remakes i, I would like to experience it a different way again yeah and this does make me want to play resident evil 2 because i like the gameplay was fine and everything, but I was drawn more into the storyline mm. aspect of it. Like I've seen most of the movies. I, I didn't watch the the new Netflix show. Um, was it Welcome to Raccoon City? Mm-hmm. Uh, no, yeah, I, the the movie was Welcome to was Raccoon Welcome City. to Raccoon City. I don't remember what the the new the series Resident may have Evil just been Resident was. Evil. I made it through maybe an episode and a half, and I did not like it. That's what I've heard. And I mean, there's not going to be another season. Like, I don't know of anyone that liked that series. Because it didn't have anything to do with any of the games or anything like that. And I'm like, why? Why would you, why, why do they keep doing that? Like, we like Resident Evil because of what the games are. Like, give us that. But the thing is, Resident Evil is not a hard story to adapt. I know. You, you don't, <laughs> okay. you don't need to change it. Don't give us these new people we've never heard of before. Like, why are you trying to tell a complete different story with different people? It's just, ugh, I hate it. And don't and don't try to shoehorn multiple movies into one. Yes. Resident Evil 1 can be its own movie. <laughs> and then if that does well, Resident Evil 2, that can be its own movie yeah. too. Like, you've, you've got all this... <laughs> 
resource and material that you can use. Spread it out. Don't try to shove it all into one thing. That was my biggest thing with Welcome to Raccoon City. Like that, that should have been just Resident Evil One. Yeah, like that whole movie could have been Resident. Like the 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 sets in that movie are great. They look just like the game. Like the the police, uh, the the police uh, station, all that stuff looked just like the game. But man, it was like they just tried to shove twelve hours of story into a an hour and a half movie. I would have loved to have been a fly on the wall to hear who said, that's a good idea. Yeah. <laughs> Let's do that. Ugh, hate it. But as far as the reception of the game goes, um, the original PlayStation version was, of course, is held in very high regard, uh, received an aggregated rating of 91 out of 100 at Metacritic. It was one of the three highest rated games of 1996, along with Super Mario 64, which scored 39 out of 40. And Tekken 2, which scored 38. Wow. I can't believe Tekken 2 has a score that high. I know. <laughs> but some of the other, um, let's see, Electronic Gaming Monthly gave uh, 35.5 out of 40. Famitsu, 38 out of 40. Game Informer, 9.25. IGN, 8.7 out of 10. So very, very highly regarded game. And, and this whole franchise is very highly regarded. I mean, it, it's... It, to me, is up there with the most notable video game franchises of all time. Like, it's it's mm-hmm. in that upper tier, in my opinion. Yeah. And and this game, you know, I, I actually, once I got used to the controls and got over my own anxieties of wanting to, <laughs> to jump every time a zombie jumped out at me, um, I really like this game a lot. And I want to play the sequels now. I, I will give it... I'll give it a solid eight out of ten. Good, awesome. I'm glad you like. I really liked it because I really, love, really liked it. You know me. I love the Resident Evil franchise. Yep. I love the games. Resident Evil Two is still my favorite game of all time. I played the N64 version of that game so many times. It, it, it's stupid how many times I played through that on the N64. Um, Rampage, I, I get it. Uh, Rampage in the chat room says he still doesn't like Resident Evil 1. It's a lot to get used to um, with the controls and all that stuff. But I say, it, it, if you've never played it or if if you haven't played the remake, the, the GameCube remake, which is available on the Switch right now, I say give it a try. Because once you kind of get over the, the tank controlliness of it and just sort of let it be what it is you'll really enjoy it. And Derek, I'm very much excited for you to move on to Resident Evil 2 remake because that that game is so good. It it makes me sick. <laughs> like it's so good. At some point I will play it. I don't know what I'm going to review next, but I may save that for next year's um Halloween horror month. Okay. And RMS Jackson says, damn dogs jumping through the windows still freak me out. Yeah, me too. One, one little <laughs> nuance of that game that I liked, and for those who've never played it, it, it opens with these dogs chasing you and you take refuge in the mansion. When you go outside, they're still hanging around the fence mm-hmm. just waiting yeah. for you to, <laughs> to come out. And I'm like, <clears throat> I love that. Like, I love little details like that mm-hmm. in games. And um and Rampage, it, it, I get it. He says he has the HD version, says he still doesn't like it. He likes 7, though. And that's why I wish they would do another re, uh, remaster of Resident Evil 1 
in the style of Resident Evil 2 because I think people would go back and and like it better that don't like it for what it is, I think would enjoy it if they got to play it in a first person, not a first person view, but a third person view. That way you have a little bit more control over your character because it does take a lot to get used to those tank controls. I'm not, I can't, you know, like not try to sugarcoat it. It's kind of bad. Those tank controls, I'm glad they don't do it anymore, but for the time, and to go back and play those games that way, it does add to the tension and the the moodiness of that game. That's why I studied the control settings so I would know what I was doing. Yeah, <laughs> but that that's awesome. I'm glad you enjoyed it. It's one of my favorite games ever. And yeah, it was I, good. I liked I, it. I just love them so much. It's the perfect game to play for Halloween. Yeah, exactly. So go play it. If you haven't played yeah. it, go play it. Um, yeah. But that's going to just about do it for this week. What's, uh, no, I guess no more feature presentation anymore. Well, one thing you can do is you can follow the uh, social media for my upcoming movie. It's at the feature movie on uh, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. I've been trying to post uh, daily photos of some of the behind the scenes work. And now I've been doing, you know, some of the the visual effects that I've been adding because I've been trying to make a pretty cool end credit reel. So I posted a picture of that yesterday. And then if you want to follow my filmmaker Facebook page, it's facebook.com slash Derek Diamond Filmmaker. So fantastic. Always got something going on. And uh, for open micers, uh, tomorrow night, we, we usually record on Monday nights after the show, but this week... It's going to be tomorrow night when we record, and we are going to have our mutual friend, Mr. Jeremy Branch, is going to yep. be on the show. And the he pop has a, culture nihilist himself. Yes, the pop culture nihilist. So go check him out on uh, YouTube at the pop culture nihilist. And he's got a new YouTube where he's doing synthwave, uh, retro synthwave type stuff, and it's so good. I love synthwave. I have like 50 synthwave channels saved on my YouTube because I just love to listen to it. And yeah, I'm excited called... to hear him on the show. He's, uh, you know, he and I have been friends for for several years. Mm-hmm. So we we've worked together on various podcasting projects. So I'm excited to hear your chat with him. Yeah, we've been talking about doing a show together for a long time. This is the first time we're gonna finally get it done and talk to each other on uh, the podcast. But his uh, his synthwave channel is called Lucid Memory. So go check that out on YouTube and uh, go check us out at, at Open Micers on Twitter and Instagram. And I think that's going to do it for this week. I'm so ready for Halloween. I don't know about you. It's crazy that it's already here. I know. It's a week from today. I don't know what I'm going to do. I just wonder if I'm going to get trick-or-treaters this year. Do you get? You usually get trick-or-treaters at your place? Surprise, surprisingly, no. I don't think I've ever had one since... I've, I've lived in this house now for five years, and I don't think I've had one trick-or-treater. Are there children in... Florida, or is it just all old people? <laughs> Depends on the area. <laughs> I keep wanting to talk to the, the the landlord at my apartment complex here, and I'm like, why don't we, because all of our buildings face each other to create courtyards, I'm like, why don't we all get together as a community and decorate our patios, and then just have all the kids come around and go from patio to patio in the courtyards, and we could have like a prize for whoever has the best decorated patio and get like, you know, a couple hundred buck, bucks off your rent for the month. Yeah. yeah Mike, I think that's a great idea. That. 
It's a good idea. I'm going to do that. Yeah, you should pitch that. I know. But uh, but I think that's going to do it for this week. And uh, we love you guys so much. Thank you for hanging out with us. Yeah, thank you so much. And uh, if you would like to email us, you can email us at nerdcaveretro at <clears throat> gmail.com if I can speak. Nerd, we are at nerdcaveretro.com, which takes you to our link tree, which takes you everywhere to our Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and, of course, our merch site at ncrmerch.com get a t-shirt mug hat we got all kind of designs over there that you want to go look at go check them out ncrmerch.com and of course our patreon patreon.com slash nerdcave retro was little as a dollar a month but you gives you early access to all of our extra episodes every single month and if you can't do that i understand times are tough leave us a review wherever Fine podcasts are given away for free. So, Derek, please tell them what it's all about. Resident Evil. Resident Evil. It's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.